0: Hello, friends. It's been a while. You're probably wondering why. Well, we have a story to tell you, and that's going to lead our topic for today, which is failure. What can we learn from failure? What's it feel like when we fail? Why does it feel bad, and how can we turn it good? And all sorts of other things. It will be a fail and tell on today's episode of the Learning Geeks podcast, starting now. Guys, guys, um, I think you're right, Jake, that it was all my fault.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh no, is this a fail tale?
0: Already. It is. So, uh, welcome everybody to our conversation here. Um, you might be wondering, hey, it's been about a month since I've heard from the Learning Geeks since something has appeared in my podcast feed. And you're wondering, what is going on? Maybe those guys are taking it easy and relaxing. And, you know, while the record shows, Dana did move house.
1: There was no relaxing there. Yeah, in the last two (laughs) weeks, uh, we moved across country from Illinois out to Utah. And I was telling uh, Bob and Jake before we started, there were 617 items on the moving truck, a 53-foot moving truck. Uh, downsizing from a five uh, bedroom home with a basement to a three bedroom town home without a basement. So yeah, no, no slacking on this here.
0: Yeah. Not a lot of not I mean, it, it's fun to move into a new place and I know you have amazing views out of your uh, your office
2: window.
1: Amazing. Yeah.
2: Which uh, you've been texting us wonderful pictures <laughs> and rubbing it in. Yeah. Uh,
1: intentionally. D- data sends
0: us a picture. It's like, here's the view from the gas station. And it's like majestic mountains.
2: And I'm like, I didn't send you guys pictures like that from the beach. Well, that day when you sent that picture, I was actually, I was in the, I was in my garage working out and my view was towards a recycling and garbage bin. So i like, <laughs> <Well, laughs> that.
1: I think tomorrow morning we're going to drive something called the Alpine Loop. So we'll go from, uh, the ground level here is about 5,000 foot. I think most of the Alpine Loop is somewhere around 10,000 foot. And the leaves and uh, leaves on the trees are supposed to be gorgeous. So uh, I might uh, photobomb you guys, uh might photobomb <laughs> myself with a bunch <laughs> of colorful leaves behind. Anyway, please do ho- hopefully please there do. will be no failure as we're driving the roads there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So so why has it been like a month?
0: Yeah. Well, okay. So we recorded a couple of weeks back uh an episode that we thought was really, really good while it we were was
1: recording. Great. It. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, We had our colleague Julie Reed on. Um, Julie has been a driving force at Accenture in helping us uh, move all of our learning experiences that were intended to be live into a virtual. Uh, And so we talked about that and we talked about uh, not just what it's like to pivot everything from live to virtual in a corporate setting, but also in an educational setting because she's like part of her school board. And we had a really great talk. And then, Jake, what happened when you went to edit everything?
1: Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, typically when we record most of our podcasts, we do them in a week or two weeks before. That way we have like a queue of them lined up. Well, in this case, I did not touch the thing until two weeks later and expecting to release it the next day. And sure enough, I put all of my files into Audition and Bob... Was very very quiet, <laughs> very quiet, which is
0: unusual for Bob. <laughs> it is, as in it, no sound for
2: me, right? No sound at all. Which yeah, we are guessing after we figured it out. The um, the way that we work, we actually do a video channel. We 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 do it over MS Teams, so Microsoft Teams. Plus, we use ZenCaster to record our voice. Uh, more than likely, the mute button, the wonderful mute button, was activated during that whole time. It's nice. So we when, lost
0: it. Yeah, and it, it's nice when Jake uses passive English because it doesn't quite sound so bad. So, like the mute button was hit, sounds a lot better than Bob hit the mute button
1: <laughs> and forgot to unmute.
0: Which I think is exactly what happened because there's really no other explanation. So we could hear it. So, so here's what we're gonna do is. Uh, We will at some point reorganize with Julie and try to recreate that podcast. Maybe it'll be even better. Who knows? Um, There will definitely be more learning that has happened since we did that. So we'll, we'll put that spin on it, that it will be new and fresh and we'll redo that and we'll get that done as soon as we can. But meanwhile, we thought this might be a good opportunity to talk about failing and, I think there's a couple angles that we could take from this. We're going to probably be freewheeling here a little bit, but w- one angle is just it feels good and it's educational to tell a failure story and talk about uh, what you may have learned from that experience uh, and, and it normalizes it. You know, We all talk about it should be safe to fail. If we're going to be coming up with new ideas, we have to create space and a culture that accepts failure. But it still sometimes hurts when you do it. So it's good to talk about it and make sure that that learning actually happens. The other thing I would want to talk about is what really is the impact of failing on the learning experience? You know, we, we used to talk a long time ago. I don't hear it quite so much anymore. But we used to talk a long time ago about expectations failure being a key part of the learning experience. Um, so I thought we could go in that direction. So, you know, so we have recapped one of my biggest failures, which is hitting the mute button clearly on the phenomenal podcast that we did. Uh, I'm wondering if either of you guys have favorite fail and tell type stories that you would like to share. We'll just go around. We'll have a talking stick and we'll go around the circle.
2: I, I could share. I could share mine. I You know, I was trying to think of a some stories and what's funny i thought of a lot i'm not gonna lie um but i also was trying to find ones that i would consider more of an epic failure <laughs> and so a little bit of a larger one rather than the small ones because again we all know fail fast fail often you know that term um but one in particular was actually just a couple of probably like two months ago or so um i don't know if i shared this on the podcast but one of the things that i'm doing internally is is uh helping create and start up a research and innovation learning lab um, within our firm. So there's a a heavy weight that comes on that, you know, of of starting something new. And you know, you're going to make failures throughout. And one of the big research assignments that um, I took on was really looking at apprenticeship, specifically the impact apprenticeship had post-COVID and even pre-COVID. And I shouldn't say post-COVID, I should just mean like post our restrictions that occurred. Like now. Yeah, like now, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So what has happened? What is going in now? And plus the the impact that that has on a global scale when our when our firm is global, considering that some people are in office and some are not. And so I, I really looked at apprenticeship and I spent a ton of time, looked at a ton of research and and really put together this, what I thought at that time was a really, really good report. And I got to the point where I was sharing it with some of my uh, teammates. And then I got to a point where I shared it again. And I shared it with one of my, a colleague of mine that I truly respect her, her writing skills. She's a really great writer. And the feedback was, doesn't work. It doesn't work. and And that killed. I mean, that was a Months working on that. Again, this is my first one of the first big, big projects. And she said it wasn't working. And I remember that it was a Friday when I got that feedback, and I had to go out somewhere to um, run an errand. And I think that first like hour was I was thinking about everything in my head of, you know, also I was somewhat angry of, sure. of like, why did this happen? I was super jazzed to even share it with her. I really thought I had a, had something there. I also started looking inward, questioning myself, challenging my own self thinking, all right, am I good enough to write this? I've been writing this for two months. Should I just quit? I'm I'm done with it. I really did have moments where I'm thinking, I'm done with this whole thing. I don't even know if it's worth sharing anymore. And then really I got back after about like two hours, I sat back and I actually read more of her feedback rather than just focusing on it just didn't work. And then I realized what it actually meant. Um, And it took about a week or so, but it took me a week to make something click. And what I learned from that was, is I was jumping ahead and I was immediately thinking I was one, the failure. And I determined that really what it was, was just the story structure. Hmm. I w- it was there. A lot of that content was actually there. Is that I was so invested in it, I just didn't know how to tell the story properly. Especially for someone that loves stories, I love thinking about story structure and and talking about stories with others. I myself got too invested in it, and I wasn't actually setting up the story properly. But through basic techniques, I realized it was again. It wasn't my failure of the actual research. It was just. I wasn't utilizing some of the basic skills that I talk about and and try to and practice basic story structure. So I, I stepped back that next week and I didn't start off at the drawing board. I actually just started very basic outline whiteboard and thought about what's the real thing I'm trying to tell. Why is this, what's going to be that emotional hook, blah, blah, blah. And I really just stepped it back. And then the week after that was a matter of shuffling. And then it turned out to be really, really good. Actually, we just released it not too long ago. But anyway, that was my last failure that felt high. I thought it was this climactic moment of sharing to then woo, all the yep. way down, um, but then back up, of course.
0: I like Jake in that, that you gave yourself some time and a little bit of space to
2: feel your reaction to it.
1: Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Stepping right. back was it like yeah. a critical element, right?
2: Yeah. That was like one of the biggest steps. Dana, Dana, what do you got?
1: So I got a stick coming my way, right? Because I get the storytelling stick. Yeah, you got stick. the talking stick. Yeah, yeah. I got the talking stick. All right. So w- what came to mind is you asked the question, Bob, was several years ago, um, I was working on a course. And it was a, it was a high visibility course. We're going to have very senior people involved in it. It was on a global contract risk. And how to mitigate those types of things, or prevent them from even the risks from even showing up. And we worked with a very engaged sponsor um, who was representing his boss, who was in charge of global risk management. And the the engaged sponsor would meet with us on a twice a week for a couple of hours here and there, and and go through the details of the content that we're putting together, and. You know, he'd scratch his head and he'd go, "Oh no, we can't do it this way." Oh, that's you know, we need fewer bullet points. Oh, we need more bullet points. We need this graphic here. I mean, very, very engaged, right? And and you you know, when you have a really engaged sponsor, it's either setting you up for success or setting you up for failure. It's one of the two, right? Either right. either they really understand their boss or they're not quite in sync with their boss and. So, so we ran, uh, we had the the whole design development team flew over to Frankfurt to run a pilot and we get on the ground and, you know, everybody's excited to run this pilot and we get, uh, we get into the first day and there's, you know, all the niceties, there's introductions and there's the backgrounds. And it turns out it was this engaged sponsors boss who was teaching the class. And, um, you know, I, I felt we had structured the content in a pretty good way. You know, we did all of the right instructional design things. We had some activities that we'd built in. And, um, so, so we get into it and, and we're not, we're probably about three hours into this. I think it ended I think it was a two, two and a half day course. We're just a few hours into it and we're hearing comments from the participants as the faculty is teaching. Yeah. Yeah. We get this, but you know, tell us some more stories. And, and it turns out that the the the, the boss of the engaged sponsor um, had years of experience, where he and his in his term he would parachute into engagements that were going wrong, mm-hmm. and basically put out the the burning fires. And the participants wanted more and more of those stories because he was a very engaged storyteller. Well, it turns out that probably. Sixty percent, maybe even seventy percent of the content that we had very carefully crafted was thrown out the window because all the participants all the participants wanted were stories and um, you know insights from those stories. So you know, in some ways, it was an epic failure because of all the energy and time that we'd put into building it. Um, and Jake, like you, we, you know, we took steps back and we said, okay what do we do with this? Well, you know, we we figured out how we could better leverage the stories and how we could capture the stories because this was going to be taught more than just by one individual. It had to be taught by more than one individual. So we ended up doing some creative things and um, the, the course ended up shaping up nicely. And I guess that's why you do pilots. But, uh, you know, as we're sitting in there, we're all going, oh my gosh, we failed, <laughs> right? I mean, you're... you're you've gone past the hour and a half for this section and you haven't even covered any of the content and you know, all of those types of, Oh my goodness, what's happened to our design type impressions that you have. So, so that's my epic story failure.
0: What do you think you would have done differently, Dana coming out, or what have you done differently since that happened?
1: Well, I, I think part of it is um, understanding if the engaged sponsor really understands the bosses and, and and what that means is you may need to actually get some more time with the boss, right? So, so don't assume that, um, your engaged sponsor is a good boss interpreter. The, the other thing is a lot of the things I've worked with since that time have, um, have involved more, Free time for those stories, or more ways of capturing those stories, because uh, you know I've come to understand more completely how effective a good storyteller is in learning things. And in in fact, you know, um, Bob, you know this, but Jake, you don't. As we're Bob and I are building out these little videos called Brain Hack videos, and one of the videos that's actually very popular within the company right now is one on how to be a good story listener. So there's one aspect of being a good storyteller. But if you're in an instructional environment and someone starts telling a story, there are some things that you can do to cognitively engage in the story that's being told. And so we're we're trying to teach our people how to be good story listeners in a, a learning context. So I think, Bob, to answer your question, I've, I've kind of rambled a little bit, but I think it's I've paid more attention to story and how to integrate
2: story into designs. And I'm happy you learned that lesson as <laughs> of a passionate story guy. yeah. Well, one thing, maybe we'll get to it here, but I, I would love to talk about challenging assumptions because yeah. that, that learning moment is connected a lot with, with failure, um, yeah. as well as our fear of failure.
1: Well, and when you have a very engaged sponsor and you think, you know, I mean, there, we had no inkling that he didn't understand his boss's mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in fact, in some cases he did. But-, but You know, how do you challenge that assumption when you have a really engaged, really vocal sponsor? That's that's an obstacle.
0: All right, I'll take the stick. Ones that I was thinking about are when I have, for some reason, just kind of gotten a crazy idea of doing things differently than we've ever done them before, and so we try them and we see what happens, and it just totally crashes and burns. So, and I have two related stories that were. that show the extremes of an idea. Uh, One is we were doing a presentation at a conference and I thought, Hey, instead of just having one person up there and talking the whole time, let's um, let's have the two of us like go back and forth, like just always like bouncing back and forth. Like, okay, yeah, we'll try that. And we did it. And it was like, we would talk for about 10 seconds and then we would throw it to the other guy. So I would be like, and this worked really well, John. And John would say, <laughs> so then we decided we would try something new, Bob. And <laughs> we did that back and forth for half an hour. And it was like the people in the audience looked like they were watching a tennis match. Cause it was like, look over here, look over here, look over here. And we got the worst evaluations ever. And I learned from that, never do that. Don't do that again. So then... Fast forward probably a year or so, and I'm, put, I'm rewriting a two-day course, and it's a software development course. And our typical modus operandi on this was you would teach a concept, and then you would have an activity where they practice that, um, that concept, that programming concept. I thought, what if we shake it up? What if we have the entire first day be going through all of the concepts, and then the second day is just a complete lab? Where you have to apply everything okay let's try it so we did it and that first day we had one guy who basically stood up for eight hours by himself in front of a class and taught all of these concepts and at the end of the day he almost passed out from exhaustion our participants almost passed out from exhaustion they were so bored and so frustrated uh, terrible idea and then we went into the next day where they were supposed to apply everything that they had learned the day before. And it wasn't just that they hadn't learned it. If they had learned it, they hadn't remember it. It was just a complete train wreck. Nobody could get anything done.
1: So have you considered and, entering, uh, putting stories in place in there, Bob?
0: Well, that sure would have helped because <laughs> it was awful. It was the worst learning experience I ever designed. And... Um, you know, we we learned a lot from that point. I, I guess one of my lessons walking away from that was sometimes the old standbys, some of the old strategies on the way we do things um, are, are there for a reason because they work pretty well. And, you know, for this particular type of course, uh, doing the learn it, try it, uh, I, I think uh, all of our durable learning rules applied to, the way we have been doing it and we should be doing it and trying to do it the way that I was doing it was a colossal bomb. Learn from that, recovered, fixed my mistake, and we move forward.
1: So can I toss a question out to you guys? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about uh, learning from failure. Not all environments are w- willing to do that. Sometimes, you know, leaders will say the words, but come evaluation time, it's like okay, who had the biggest failure this year, right? Yeah. And um, so, I mean, h- how do we uh, how do we react to that? I mean, because w- if you have an environment like that, then you're less willing to be a risk taker. It might mean you have less creative designs because you know every design should look like the the cookie cutter. A- any thoughts on? You know, how how do we help our colleagues who are in situations like that um, and and how can we kind of reframe the discussion? maybe?
0: I wish I had a really clear, great answer, but I don't. The one thing that does come to mind is once you have once you have established yourself as somebody who can produce and meet expectations and uh, create things that are are good and useful and purposeful, that gives you more room to then innovate and uh, feel free to make mistakes. So, you know, I think the strategy of coming into a situation and getting a few quick wins, um, you know, kind of building your reputation as somebody who can deliver um, will make those who are in charge understand that yeah, if this person fails, it's probably not reflective on any core competency issues. It's just they tried something new and right. and did right. something different. So it's always kind of been my modus operandi.
2: That's a really great point. I think you have to develop some type of level of trust and mm-hmm. credibility, reliability um, in some way that – and also that you're capable of when you do fail – that you're able to reflect and figure out what was the cause, how do I learn from it. And I think that happens over time. <clears throat> you, you start to see, does this individual, is the individual capable of bouncing back and figuring out what the down or like what what was the cause of that? And kind of going back to, you know, what I mentioned about challenging assumptions and how I start to see how this link to, you know, Bob to your stories. You said there there were bombs, but you wouldn't have known unless you did it. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah. you just you you tried it, and I think that's when we think about innovation itself. You can't innovate unless you just try. And biggest lessons that I've learned, and you'll hear it all the time in books, is the idea of just you have to challenge assumptions. You can't always assume that the leader's not going to like this or this type of groups of people aren't going to like this or this format will never work here. You won't know until you try it. But when you try it, are there ways to to Try small, um, not maybe go all in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that way, when you do fail, it's not as much of an epic failure. Maybe it feels like it to you, but maybe not as much as to the person that you're with. And then, but again, how do you bounce back? How do you learn from it? And I think by doing that more often and learning from it and still getting better and still allowing yourself to be more creative and innovative, I think that's it just further builds that trust with your the people that are around you.
1: Well, Jake and I really like the idea of, and Bob, you alluded to this too. Think about think about uh, being creative and innovative uh, in in smaller pieces initially, right? We're mm-hmm. going to experiment with this thing, and but and be open about it. It's Like we haven't tried this before, and don't know if it's going to work. But you know, you're asking us to be creative, innovative. Here's what we're doing, and if it doesn't work, we'll you know we'll move on to the next thing and and figure something out. So I think there's something about the incrementalism and that incrementalism, if you're authentic in your communication, can lead to the, the trust building that will launch you and to be able to learn from, from those things that don't succeed as well as you would like them to succeed.
0: Mm-hmm. And again, that's why trust is so important. You know, mm-hmm. as an innovator, I need to build trust with the people who are sponsoring me that, that they trust me with that, but I also need to be able to trust them. Because that's what allows me to be creative. If I'm afraid of making the mistakes, because I feel threatened by what their reaction might be, if I do, uh, that's going to limit me. Hey, I know that we're pretty much at time. I I wanted to talk about expectation failure. I, I know like when I am taking a course or in a learning experience, the moments that I remember the most are when I was sure I knew the answer to something and it turned out that I was wrong. And when I was corrected and learned the right way, those are the things that I remember the most. I don't know if that's true with you guys, Dana. I'm guessing that there's lots of brain science behind that. But yeah. you know, what, what do you think about the idea of designing experiences like that? so that we make those things happen.
1: What comes to mind is some of the simulations that I've been involved in. And, and you know, it, there's different terms, but it's, you know, the things that upset the normal path or the wa- warblers the or wobblers, warbling, right? right? Yep. Yep. And, and I think that's one form of that because you, you know, you know what the rules are and you're starting to play by the rules and, uh, you know, come into the second piece of your simulation and the rules have changed. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think, it, it in business simulations, uh, it's things like uh, if you are doing an insurance simulation, for example, it's like well, uh, you know, a hurricane hit, right? So now you need to figure out how to change your finances or your marketing plan, or right. or, or how to get people on the ground, or uh, you know, a, a policy, the government policy suddenly changes, right? Or if it's a if it's an airline airplane simulation, you are a pilot, then it's you know some unexpected. Uh, weather condition that uh, is very abnormal, so I think uh, I think you're right. I think there's uh, you you have certain expectations because somebody lays down rules, and as designers, if we can figure out how to disrupt those rules or the you know the the expected path, those become the real aha moments. And I think you know one important dimension to to, to talk about is. Um, is it's one thing to experiencing it's experience them it's another thing to process them and so when i've been involved in building simulations one of the most important things when you introduce those w- wobblers is to spend time saying okay what happened how did you react what would uh, what could you've done differently along the path
2: the the other thing too would just be how to set those that situation up where the learner themselves can be fully in accepting to the fact that, or I should say, open to the fact that disruptions could occur based on what you actually think are those rules. You just be open to changing your mind or changing your view or challenging your assumptions. There's a possibility that something could happen. Mm -hmm. And then when that does happen, when you find that uh, those aha moments, those are the very emotional moments. I think that's why we remember a lot of these failures and stories we're talking about. They're very, there's some type of emotion to it. Like in my story, there was emotion on frustration, doubt, everything, right? There's so much there. And that's the case when you do change the rules, there's this, huh, for 15 years, I thought that's how it went. And you just showed me a different way. Never in my mind would I've ever thought that. That right there is you're being open, you're accepting the fact that things can be different and not always what you appear like what you think um, is the case in your head.
1: One of the ones I've seen that's really disruptive, has been really disruptive in in learning environments is when you form a team, right? You've got team A, team B, team C, team D, and on the second day, they shift team members around after you've already started to, you know, build a bond. Build a bond. It's like, wait a minute. You know, this person was our marketing person. How come we're getting a different person?
2: Those
1: those are interesting ones too, because that deals with a lot of the interpersonal dynamics. So the person you're competing against all of a sudden becomes a colleague.
0: Well, we are well beyond our time. So before we go, though, I want to close with with a quote from a really, really wise person. Uh, That person said this, pass on what you have learned. Strength, mastery, yes, but weakness, folly, failure also. Yes, failure most of all. The greatest teacher failure is. Luke, we are what they grow beyond. That is the true burden of all masters.
2: One of my favorite Star Wars quotes ever. Yes,
0: that was Master Yoda. I didn't try doing the voice, but I just wanted to make sure everybody who thought that they got through an entire episode of The Learning Geeks... Without a Star Wars reference, we did not fail. (laughs) We we did not fail. We did not. We will be back again soon, everybody. Thank you for listening. This is Bob.
1: Go forward and fail.
0: That's Dana. Go forward and fail. We'll see you next time on the Learning Geeks Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.